Hello again and welcome back to the dozenth episode of <laughs> Deepening Roots and Growing Branches here at New Life Evangelical Free Church in Hastings, Minnesota. My name is Paul Arneberg with our pastor, Brent Kumpelin. We are glad to be uh, hitting the all cylinders of 12 episodes and counting. This, again, is, is an endeavor we're trying to do, uh, we are doing, and we, are, we intend to do for the foreseeable future, about three episodes a month. And this is not only a means by which we want to flesh out the Disciple by Doing model and our Roots and Branches campaign, which is uh, seeing God's vision for expanding our facilities, but more importantly, our ministries at New Life Church, yep. but also how to have the proper foundations and how to have the proper biblical worldview of everything we do. And yes, that's a tall order, but in this post-Christian culture and age, we need to be all the more vigilant to make our calling and election sure, and that includes how we act, how we live, and how we love. Yes, and as we've talked about in previous episodes, defining a little bit of what Disciple by Doing is, it's really seeing every opportunity, everything, yes. as an opportunity for discipleship. Every facet of life, every moment, even mm -hmm. something as simple as uh, a car ride with a friend, uh, a moment at, uh, with a coworker. Uh, where God opens a door to speak uh, about what you believe or, or, or why, uh, or, or moments with uh, kids or nieces or nephews or grandkids, mm -hmm. uh, with a spouse, all, all the different things of who we are as people uh, to be brought into line with Jesus's lordship and with God's truth, but allows every moment to be a learning opportunity. That's really what Disciple by Doing is. And it's exciting. As I mentioned in episode 11, it is a daily adventure yes. to discern and to look for treasures, whether it is uh, giving Marianne a hug at church uh, <laughs> or, or little Lily. So we have about a 78 year span there. there uh, and by the way, the local body, please be involved in the local body. If you're either listening to this and you're lapsed in your new life uh, attendance or membership, or if you're listening in the greater world uh, and you need to go back and find a local congregation, there's nothing like in-person FaceTime yes. as opposed to digital time. In fact, if you go back and listen to episode 11, Brent did talk at length about the Asbury revival. Actually, that was back episode 10 um, and how <clears throat> one of the remarkable parts of that revival in February 2023 was that the Gen Zers that made up the bulk of that revival as far as demographics, they are longing for the face-to-face FaceTime, the non-screen, non-lonely, non-digitized, non-virtual. We are made to be flesh and blood in the same place at whenever possible. And yeah. the local body is, I believe, God's design for this pre-New Earth culture for the believers to gather and be edified. Yeah, absolutely. Well, okay, today's topic is talking about what the goal of discipleship really is. And, and we've touched on this in the past in a few episodes, but I want to just give an illustration or a, a, a way of thinking about this that I hope will spark your thinking, listeners um, and, and dear church, on, on what do we mean when we say we want to be like Jesus and, and how do we live in a post-Christian world where we're thrown curveballs all the time about uh, various cultural issues or you know people questioning what's true and what's right and what's good. Uh, trying to navigate the complexity of this post-Christian world, how do we inhabit all of that and be faithful in the midst of it? And so the goal of discipleship really is a life of faithfulness, a life of sticking to, to God and his truth, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus yes. as we navigate all of the complexity and as we await, as we live in this earthly tent, as we await the resurrection and the mm. new heavens and new earth, mm. we want to stay in, in uh, under Jesus's lordship moment by moment. And so 
uh, I, I'd like to introduce like a, a way of thinking about that, that I hope will be helpful. Yes. Um, it's really made an impact on my thinking. So there is a, uh, a, 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 a brilliant scholar uh, who's a Hungarian-born scholar named Michael Polanyi, who was born in Budapest, Hungary in 1891 and finished his life and most of his life in, in, uh, in England and, and died in 1976. He was, uh, he, he was uh, uh, proficient in so many disciplines and was just a brilliant uh, intellectual. But one of the things uh, he, he wrote about, he wrote a book called Personal Knowledge. And I learned about this book. It's very difficult to read. Uh, I'll just say that I, I learned about it from uh, a a missionary and uh, uh, a really uh, pretty well known missionary and uh, pastor named Leslie Newbegin. Mm-hmm. And Leslie Newbegin and and his wife were missionaries in India for many years. They came back to England in the 1970s after being gone for decades, and it was like they they, they he literally said it feels like I came back to a different country, yes. like a different place because mm-hmm. of the the cultural change that happened in the 50s and 60s and early 70s. Yes. And so, uh, same thing happened in the United States. Um, so it, Leslie Newbegin refers to some work by Michael Polanyi, and so that's how I was introduced to it. What Polanyi writes about is how do we come to know things at a deeper level? Mm. How do we have a knowledge that's really transformational? And it really sparked my thinking about how we consider knowing the Lord Jesus and knowing God's truth and how we inhabit and live in those things day by day. And so Polanyi gives some interesting thoughts related to this. He uses a couple different terms that I want to share. He, he, he describes what he calls uh, focal knowledge and tacit knowledge. Mm. And focal knowledge is when you're really focusing on something. That's how I remember that word, okay? Focal knowledge mm. is when I'm focusing. It's, it, it, the best illustration is uh, like learning a new instrument. Yes. It's like, uh, imagine learning the piano. Uh, my daughter, Annabelle, has been learning piano kind of off and on over the last year, um, I decided I'm going to learn a little bit of piano with her. So nice. I, I know how to play some other musical instruments, but not piano. So I, I decided to sit down and, and try that out. Uh, as you're learning how to play a new instrument like piano, you're focusing so hard on where do you put your fingers? What position? You have to look up and down at the music and back to your fingers again. And it takes so much brain power because you're literally rewiring how your mind uh, functions in order to have your your appendages actually move at the right beat and strike the right uh, keys. And so uh, there's studies, secular uh, research studies that show that learning an instrument like piano actually rewires your brain. Yes. Which is so fascinating. And you and I have talked about this where juggling does the same. Yeah, Oxford, none other than Oxford, speaking yeah. of the UK, did a study where the gray matter in the brain literally grows yeah. through the process of juggling. And I believe that does transfer to anything we learn instruments, sports, juggling, but uh, that act of, and I would call it an act of humility, because anytime you learn something new, you're by definition having to subject yourself to being wrong yeah. and subject yourself to many <laughs> drops, yes. but also just that mechanical thing in the brain, learning the spatial orientation, how your hands are moving, how you're catching the ball or the beanbag, and then you do that enough times. I've heard it said <clears throat> that the very beginning, like say, eight-year-old juggler that's learning one beanbag is getting the same brain benefits as someone doing nine balls at a professional level because you're, the learning is the most important thing, not necessarily the ability to level. Yeah. It's the act of learning. And that sounds like disciple by doing. I know. I love that. That's mm-hmm. fascinating to me. And, and in previous episodes, you've heard us talk about the fact that we are an integrated whole as a human being. God made us to be uh, 
uh, our inner being, our our our, our heart, soul, uh, and then our bodies. We're integrated as a as an a, a, an ensouled body and an embodied soul. Yes. Like it goes both directions. Love but it. there's something about how even uh, our patterns of behavior and the things that we re- we we learn are true, and then uh, how we live those things out in relationship. That they're literally like wearing new grooves in our life, in our mind, and even rewiring our brains, which mm-hmm. is just so wild to me. Mm-hmm. So, so Michael Polanyi he says, focal knowledge is when you're focusing really hard and you're sort of um, still having to make a conscious effort to connect the dots in your mind between what you're doing physically. Mm -hmm. He says what you learn eventually, and this is the uniqueness of us as human beings, tacit knowledge is when you gain this distinct ability where it's almost like it becomes second nature. Yes, absolutely, second nature. I have loved watching people who are more than proficient, like experts at piano. Yes. One of them is our dear friend, Paul Cravens. Yeah. Uh, or we could talk about others uh, who know how to play piano really well in our congregation, like Mike or Scott or yep. Mark, or, or uh, I, I know some others um, who, are, who are excellent. I think Melody also plays uh, a little yeah, piano. Yeah, Melody too. And uh, some others that we don't want to out necessarily if they don't want to have known <laughs> that they know how to play piano. <laughs> Recruit them to the worship team. <laughs> <laughs> when, when you see someone who's, who's an expert, it's like the keys and, and the whole, the instrument becomes a part of them. Yes. And they can like, they can close their eyes and, and they don't even have to look at it anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and when it becomes second nature, this is that, that tacit knowledge. Polanyi says, this is when you indwell mm. the, the sort of the reality of that instrument. And, and as you, as you embody it in that deeper way, it becomes like natural, it becomes who you are. It becomes an expression of of who you are. And so, from the point of view of discipleship, if we talk about what is the goal, the goal is for us to get to the point of being so immersed in God's truth as we hear the Word preached, as we study and meditate on it, and as we as we pray, as we spend time with Jesus in prayer and in relationship with him, as we're Im- immersed in Christian community mm-hmm. where we learn how to bear with one another yes. <laughs> with love, as we're <laughs> out in the world and, we, and we, we have to take these truths that we know and they're challenged and we have to react and we learn different ways and patterns of thinking and of acting and of living and loving other people, we are quite literally wearing new grooves that make the Christian life and Christian discipleship and Christ likeness second nature. It's like, Mm -hmm. that's in my mind, that's what it's like to, that's what we're aiming for in discipleship. It's like, I I could look at, at one of our wonderful musicians in our church who are so good at these instruments like piano and I could, they could be playing a song and I could say, Hey, can you move it up a key? And they're like, Oh yeah, no problem. And they'll just move up the register without even really thinking about it. I want, my life following Jesus to be that second nature yes. where when this complicated post-Christian world throws me a curveball, I can adapt and improvise in that moment to know what's it like, how do I apply God's truth at this moment? Yes. It's like, I want that kind of knowledge. Like I want to indwell it and know it at such a deep level that I now embody a different reality. Wow. Yes, and the great parallel spiritually between uh, to get to that level of all those great piano players you mentioned in our own small congregation to the, uh, well, of course, juggling as well in any other sport, whether it's handyman crafts or mechanics or theology or reading or whatever, uh, with the spiritual disciplines, yeah. the way we become second nature Christ followers is to spend time with the master, yes. to learn the tools through his word, through prayer, through fellowship, through service as well. And uh 
boy, I just, I, I think of one thing I'm going to share just yeah. from my own personal juggling. I often hide behind the jug heads to say, look at, they're really good jugglers. And in fact, in the talent show here, uh, end of February, I didn't juggle. I actually did a poem about my cat, Chip, which we can talk about sometime because I've learned about compassion through a 12-pound cat that we adopted when he was 20 days old. Uh, when I have juggled, yeah. uh, I didn't learn to juggle until I was 20. First, I learned to run, excuse me, first I learned to run through track team in high school, and then I learned to juggle. Then another phenomenon came around my first IJA festival, International Juggling, called Joggling, Running and Juggling at the same time. Oh, my. So I'll tell you, I trained for the <laughs> World Championship in the Mile Joggle. So not only could I do a five-minute mile on my own, my goal was to combine that with juggling to see what? how fast I could go. Yes. Oh, my so goodness. So I'll tell you what. After about 10 or 11 years of running and about seven years of juggling, combine that, I did run a 539 mile while juggling. Oh, my gosh. But I'll gosh. tell you, to do that, to do anything of running and juggling at the same time, both had to be so second nature that I could juggle without even thinking. I could juggle right now if I had three balls in front of me. Uh, I, I might make some uh, pops in the microphone that'd be annoying to the listener <laughs> but the idea is that to get to that level where it is so second nature that you're throwing one throw per stride of running one throw of the ball while you're taking one step and you don't even think about it i can even use peripheral vision to avoid potholes and curbs and cars uh and i don't do that a lot nowadays i still run i ran yesterday in the snow three yeah. miles uh, but the idea is if you want to get good at anything it takes time it takes discipline and it takes the eventual goal of second nature so people look at you and say that's awesome how did yeah. you get that good well i, I didn't even think about it anymore because that's what I do. Well, that's we are, what we're like as Christ followers. Yeah. I don't even think that I, I maybe have struggled with foul language or struggle with bad thoughts or struggle with anger or gossip. Uh, and again, I'm not saying that even yeah. people can be Christians for a hundred years, they still will be aware of those struggles. Yeah. But the more we focus and fix our minds on Christ, the less it will be a daily incapacitating struggle. It might be a vestige, like when you cut off a branch from a pine tree, it still smells like pine, but it's cut off from the source of sin. So we are going to have the vestiges of sin. And yes, we'll still be in the state of sin. But the way to, to get rid of it as a habitual thing is to fix your eyes on Jesus and get rid of the things in your life that might be causing you to not be Christ-like. Yeah, and an important element of this to, to uh, always to remember, because really the conversation we're having is is what sanctification is. Yes. <laughs> it, it, we're, we're having a conversation about that deeply uh, uh, theological concept of being sanctified is to be made holy. Yes. And and that process, uh, just to be very clear, is a work of God within us. And so when we talk about this moving towards a tacit knowledge or a, a second nature or walking in the reality of God's truth as the world throws us curveballs, it's not about you trying harder to gain that skill. It is about surrendering to the Lord Jesus and allowing, cooperating with the work of the Spirit as 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 he is doing a work of transformation in you, and it's by his power that you gain that transformation of, of uh, or change in your life. And so uh, we need to make sure that that's abundantly clear here. Yes. Right? And yeah. so it, it, there, tell me about, we've been talking about this earlier before the episode. What are some passages that come to mind when we talk about that? Well, I, I love Colossians. I, yeah. I've uh, done that for a couple of times in a voice Bible study and a juggling Bible camp with chapel messages. But Colossians 3, 1 through 4 puts a wonderful uh, sort of a, a, a the range from 
Jesus' death and resurrection to our own death and resurrection, it says, Colossians 3, if you then have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. And so uh, it reminds me too, Brent, of that cliche, which is an unbiblical cliche, those who are too heavenly minded are of no earthly good. This says the opposite. (laughs) We must be heavenly minded in order to be of earthly good. Yeah. And and for us to, to embrace that process means that we know God is doing a work within us, but there are some specific things that we see as examples in Scripture, things that are commanded, things that we know are important in the Christian life. We talk about spiritual disciplines like reading Scripture. Mm-hmm. Those, of course, can be twisted to be legalistic. Correct. But the reality is immersing yourself in God's Word day by day, is it's like training uh, it for is. that j- jogging, juggling, or, uh, juggling, yeah. juggling, whatever you call yes. it, right? <laughs> it's, it, it, because as you train yourself in your heart and mind, to know God's truth because you're absorbing it and meditating on it, living it day by day, that is a pathway by which God does his transforming work. Yes. And so the the reason why we would say things like reading your Bible is important yes. is, is it, it's not about keeping score. Mm-hmm. It's not about earning God's favor because you are a blood-bought child of God and you live in the freedom of him having purchased you by his grace. It's that we want to intentionally walk those paths that are well-worn through the ages of immersing ourselves in God's word, spending time in prayer, in community together, in confession, as we, we recognize our, and, and humble ourselves before God, practices that the church has been doing for thousands of years now that help us to have our literally our, our mind, our heart, our whole body, heart, soul, mind, and strength to be rewired to be like Jesus. Yes, and and I will uh, hearken back to what you said a few minutes earlier t- that we should all be careful to not think we can sort of muster up Christ likeness by by actions or disciplines or doings. And that's that's something I can I can put another comment on that. Yes, we're saved by grace, but we're also sanctified by grace. Yeah. So it is all grace, but by some mystery, the Lord does call us to obedience. And part of that obedience is being in his word, being in fellowship, being in prayer, being in service, and uh, that, and also cutting off the things, Jesus himself said that in the Sermon on the Mount, cut off things that might cause us to sin, but it's all because of the vigilance of wanting to become like our Lord in the name of our Heavenly Father. Yes. So when you say that, or through this conversation, another passage that comes to mind is uh, Romans chapter 12. Yes. First few verses of Romans 12. One of our favorites here yeah, in this I, podcast. I, we've, we've, we've probably talked about it before. I can't remember, honestly, off the top of my head, but we will be talking about it as we move ahead as a church because this passage is so critical. It, so this is Romans 12, uh, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, and this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Yes. There's so much to this passage that I will maybe take a future podcast to yeah. uh, to describe. But just underlining one word is this word transformed. Mm. It It's literally the word metamorphosis. Oh, right? yeah, like a butterfly uh, yeah, from a caterpillar. But transformation is really something that happens at the deepest level. And there's like research recently about what happens in a in a in a cocoon or a chrysalis or I don't remember the term. 
I think it's um, chrysalis. Yeah. yeah, that literally the the uh, the uh, what is it called? A caterpillar. That's what I'm looking for. The caterpillar like literally turns into juice inside yeah. there and then reforms into a butterfly. It's like it like becomes a completely different it's thing. It's amazing. But in the same way, and I don't want to take that metaphor necessarily that Paul was imagining a butterfly when he said this word. I don't think he was. But uh, so not to press the point too far, but there is like a fundamental deeper transformation that needs to happen in the mm-hmm. gospel. And by the work of the spirit in us as we're sanctified uh, ongoing throughout our life in, in that in that way of becoming more like Jesus. And so we don't want to be conformed to the pattern of the world. We want God to do that inner work within us and, and to tie it back to the previous concept so that we are so um, immersed in knowing Jesus and being so intimately connected to him and being uh, filled with his truth and walking in his ways that it's like we indwell the knowledge of God in such a deep way that it's like second nature and we can walk through the difficulties of this life uh, um, being able to be walking in faithfulness with him. Yes, and I, I tell you, I know you haven't seen it yet, but the, but by the time the people hear this, if you have watched the series The Chosen, uh, I will say there is one of my favorite pericopes, that's a fancy theological word meaning story in the Bible, about Jesus walking on water. And Peter walks on water, and the whole point about that, it's right in Scripture, and then it was dramatized in The Chosen, when Peter fixes his eyes on Jesus, he can walk on water. When he starts to look at the wind and the waves around him, he starts to sink. And what a wonderful, perfect picture we can see. Fixing your eyes on Jesus is how we are going to make it through these trials of life, but we will sink if we look at the trials and not the Christ. So I love that sort of... um, uh, way to remind us dramatically, physically, um, that reflects the spiritual truth that we need to be constantly looking to Jesus for everything in life. Amen. Amen. Well, that'll wrap up our 12th episode, the dozenth of Roots and Branches here at New Life Church in Hastings, Minnesota. By the way, I didn't win that joggling race in 1996. I dropped three times, but the winner, Albert Lucas, gave me his gold medal saying I ran a better race. So there was grace involved despite my effort. We hope that you're praying about how to be involved in your local church, most of you at New Life in Hastings, but wherever you are in the church worldwide, be active about your father's business in the Lord's name. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.